Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. 20 seconds to go. Jimmy, the three, off the front of the rim. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. With all due respect to Heat fans, Celtics Warriors would be a much more enjoyable and competitive finals. The Rich Eisen Show. What's not likable about the Celtics? Get over this hump. This is special. Today's guests. Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Mannix. Warriors radio analyst Tom Tolbert. Columnist for the MMQB Andrew Brandt. And now it's Rich Eisen. Yes, it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Hopefully everybody had a safe Memorial Day weekend and that you're back uh, at your your gigs or you're back uh, at your radio or your television sets or your phones or your tablets. However you consume the Rich Eisen Show, we say hello to you here on this Tuesday, the final day of May of 2022. Hello to our Peacock viewers and our Sirius XM Channel 85 NBC Sports Audio listeners, our Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio friends coast to coast, our Odyssey friends on the app and our friends on our podcast where all podcasts can be acquired. We have a lot of friends. Basically, what I'm saying, uh, including the guys here in studio. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. How are you, sir? Hey, Rich. I'm just exhausted. Okay, good to see you, DJ Mikey D. Is indeed nuts back at his post. How hey, are you, Mike. sir? Good. How you doing? Good Rich? to see you, Mike. Good to see you, TJ Jefferson, lighting the candle. What's hey. going on over there? You know, it's always a pleasure to be seen, okay. Rich, and heard. Is this a low energy situation over here? What's going on? Well, you, you know, you, Brockman he exhausted a lot of energy rooting his team onto the finals. Okay. That's why he's exhausted. All right, and Mike's all flown out, but uh, I'm glad that you're here. Good to see you and congratulations to you christopher and the rest of the boston celtics fans out there good to see i know right? i'm I'm just uh, it was tough to even feel joy i was just exhausted and relieved well i mean but you're also a new england sports fan so it's very tough to feel joy you could just stop your sentence right there (laughs) i don't understand that Uh, how are they not not happier unless they're unhappy officiating disrespect uh, whatever, what have you? It makes no sense. It's all to me. bad. It's all bad. Makes no sense. You have that it's much success, good. and you're like, I haven't yeah. won a title since '95, and look how happy I am. Like, I know that. You know, like, come on, Chris. And, and the Celtics and the Warriors. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. Uh, and and we we pour one out for Miami Heat fans, um, despite Jimmy Butler's best efforts in games six and seven. One of the greatest games six and seven an individual has ever posted on. You know. We might learn one leg, right? Um, and how uh, incredible he was in Game Six to force a Game Seven. We were basically, you know, having fun that uh, you know LeBron James is not walking through that door for Game 
number six and that um, Jimmy Butler walked in the door and played the role of LeBron James. Damn near coming up with a 50-piece in Boston to force a game seven. Um, And uh, a game seven in which the uh, Celtics were dominant until the Heat popped a run on them to to make it a three-point game. Uh, only to have the Celtics take control of Game 7, only to have the Heat take control back and actually have the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands down two with mere seconds to go, forcing it one, you know, chip by chip, possession by possession to make it a four-possession game, then a three-possession game, then a two-possession game, and then finally it was a one-possession game, and the Celtics had the ball couldn't put it in the basket and now had a transition opportunity with Jimmy Butler leading it and he pulled up for three for the YOLO shot the shot that if it had gone through the net and again this is the stuff we talk about you know with the the Buckner play and the uh and, and and the Bartman grab and the miracle on ice is that we we assume like that would have been the end of it, but it, it wouldn't have been the end of it. There still would have been time left on the clock. Right. It's not like there was no time left. Everyone's like, well, we'd be talking about this shot for 50 years unless, you know, the Celtics got the ball back and scored. <laughs> right. And they were going to get the ball there back. There 17 seconds There were, and they had a timeout. And there's, yeah. you know, the, the, the Heat were out of timeouts and looked like they were out of chances until they had a chance. And here comes Jimmy Butler and we're showing a shot of it right here. I mean, Al Horford's backing up, and Butler could have gone right potentially by right by him for an and one or yeah. gotten to the line. Instead, he pulls up for three with 17 and a half to go. And um, from my position on the couch, as somebody who wanted you know my son to be happy, but for you and everyone else who's a Celtic fan to be miserable, Chris, sorry to say. I understand. I, I honestly thought, what's he doing? Yeah, I, 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 I thought it in real time. This is not a second guess. No, I didn't. When he pulled up, he didn't think no, it was going Because I saw it looked, it, it looked like he, he pulled up and didn't have his legs under him. Yeah. You know, his jump everything. shot. It looked, I know he had been making everything, yeah. but I just saw the way he went up. And then when it wound up short, it just looked like he didn't have his feet completely under him, which is totally understandable with him, as I said, maybe playing on one leg and every played every second of game seven. Yeah. As valiant an effort, as diehard an effort, as remarkable an effort, you know, for you Heat fans, I'd wish he had taken it to the basket. Well, no matter what, even if he had, he would have got a whistle. Yeah. He would have yeah, got, no, a whistle, got a no whistle and gone to the line for two. Been getting every call that entire game. I, I have no problem with Butler pulling up for that because Jimmy Butler, like you said, he played all 48 and 7. Yes. He played 46 minutes and he in made game everything. six. And he made everything. He, they're not there without Jimmy Butler. Correct. So, And also, I think one thing you didn't mention is all those minutes, that might have been Jimmy going, I don't have the energy yeah. for overtime. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want five more minutes. I this. don't have five more minutes <laughs> yeah, in me. Yeah. And but I don't think anyone can look, that's name any team superstar that carried you. And if they pull up and take the shot, that's when you go, Okay. Let me just try to end so, this. <laughs> so I, I personally but I'm not a Heat fan, so I don't know how they feel. But it's just as a basketball fan, I was like, Okay. Like he Well Heat fans wouldn't have saw it because half of them left the arena already. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean that game was that game was almost over. I mean when Struess made that three to make it a one possession like, game, oh I, I, I I audibly, you know, I I, I screamed and yeah. got off the couch. You know. Uh, that's when it became really real. The rest of the time was, oh, this is a nice n- nice try by the Heat here. But when Struess made the three to yeah. make it that two-point game and the Celtics didn't score down the 
uh, on the other end. That's when it got Marcus real, Smart real fast. Wide open shots. Real fast. That's got real, thing. real fast. Marcus Smart took like your last four or five shots. Well, Tatum game. was getting doubled, and he made the smart pass to the open man, and the mm-hmm. open man needs to make the shot. But I feel like that would have been the story had the Celtics not won. It was like, why is Marcus well, Smart taking the, yeah. the last four or five shots of the game for Had Boston? the Celtics not won, we would have so, been talking about yeah. one of the worst. It would have been a different narrative of all opportunities of all time. Oh, man, up 13 with three minutes to go. Like. How do you not close that out? But it, it happened. It Congratulations. Did. Al Horford is no longer the oldest or the most tenured player in the history of the NBA to not make the finals. That person is now whoever's the oldest person on the Knicks. And <laughs> um, and the uh, the Warriors and Celtics are going to be a great matchup. I can't wait for it. Where That's is this Al Horford in Philly? That's my question. Now, I thought the man's career was over when he played for the Sixers. And now look at him. Looks like he'd go five more years. He looks years. terrific. Jeez. He looks terrific. And uh, we'll be talking about this with Chris Mannix of uh, Sports Illustrated and Tom Tolbert, who calls the action locally for the Warriors and has a uh, a radio presence up there in the Bay Area. He'll be joining us. Those are the first two guests of our program today. Um, and then uh, there's uh, this story you may have missed. <laughs> you may have missed this story because it... It happened on uh, late Friday of Memorial Day weekend. And anytime anything comes out late Friday on a Memorial Day weekend, it's done because a sports team doesn't want people to know about it. Or a sports league doesn't want people to know about it. That's why Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, who starts this, uh, this, this um, Peacock Palooza every single day on NBC Sports on Peacock, he kept on saying, hey, if there's going to be any news about the league and Deshaun Watson, it's going to come out Friday, late Friday. Even though in this day and age, you know, with social media and Twitter and everything else, and you see everything on your phones, it's very it's difficult. Di- it's different. It's very yeah. difficult for people to miss anything. But, you know, we all go on with our lives best we can. And so um, this was announced on Friday. And uh, the this is the Lakers have a new head coach. Hey. And this is a franchise that makes announcements. They make everything big. Everything's big with this team. But for some reason, on Friday, uh, the Woj bomb comes out, and uh, the Lakers hire a new head coach. And his name is Darvin Ham. Now, fans of the NBA, uh, certainly from uh, back in the day, recognize the name certainly fans of the Detroit Pistons recognize that name. He won a championship as a player with those Detroit Pistons. And um, so Darvin Ham is now the head coach of the Lakers. He's spent nine years with Mike Budenholzer, the uh, current head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, the as uh, for 10 more days or two more weeks, defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> their reign will come to an end either in Boston or, or Golden State. And um, he came with Budenholzer from Atlanta to Milwaukee, won a championship there. And you could, you know, make a case that the Lakers are are spinning their wheels because this is not a name head coach. And the Lakers are a name franchise. And you could make this case that he is somebody that took the job because others aren't interested in Where's Nick Nurse? He's not walking through that door. Doc Rivers, Quinn Snyder, somebody else's coach who's under contract, I understand. They're not walking through that door. So why Darvin Ham? Now, 
on the flip side of it, all you have to do about, well, he's not a name head coach and this is not going to work out. And, you know, how's it going to possibly work out? Certainly when LeBron James is their best player and their healthiest player and he's pushing 40, right? And and Westbrook is Westbrook and this is not going to work out. Darvin Ham's going to be the guy to figure this thing out, really? Well, he comes highly recommended from Giannis himself. Giannis himself loves the guy. Giannis himself was talking about how um, he takes no BS. And this is going to be a terrific hire. Congratulations. LeBron James tweeting out, I believe, from France, where he went to the uh, Liverpool-Real Madrid Champions League final. And um, so damn excited. Congrats and welcome, Coach D. Ham. Hashtag Lake Show. LeBron likes it. And then I guess here's another aspect of it. On the, the positive side of things, is uh, take a look at the Celtics head coach. Anybody ever hear him? Who had heard of Ime Odoka? Who thought that guy was in over his head on January 1st of this year? A lot of people. A ton of people. Look who's there now. 500. Look who's there now, no longer, uh, known as uh, Mr. Neil Long, right? <laughs> That's how I Although know. some of her videos went viral, celebrating the Celtics' uh, Eastern Conference Championship. So, uh, you know, if, just take a look at people saying that Joe Torre, when he got hired, he's a tre- he's a retread. Who the hell is he? And then, of course, he went on a, an incredible stretch. The one thing that I'm hearing about and reading about that gives me some positive thoughts about this for you Laker fans out there is it appears Darvin Ham got a four-year deal, one more than Frank Vogel got. Okay. <sighs> And apparently he got, according to Mark Stein on his Substack, great Mark Stein, he got assurances that Kurt Rambis is not allowed to be in any planning meetings. Oh. Yes. So one of the Rambi has got to butt out. Interesting. interesting. That that's very interesting. In I told you a conversation I had this weekend, Rich. Yeah, that is. That, well, I want to talk about that on there, but that was very interesting. Uh, that that there is apparently oh. some meddling that took place. You don't say. According to Mark Stein, buzz in the coaching circles over the weekend. Ham has been promised the autonomy to pick his coaching staff, and is said to have received assurances that Lakers senior advisor Kurt Rambis will not be a regular presence in coaching meetings like he was with Vogel. So he's going to get to do it his way with his guys, his people. And to me, that's an indication of the Lakers understanding what may have not worked with Vogel and handing it over. And or they're admitting they're kind of over a barrel, roster-wise, franchise-wise. And here's a guy that they like and they are going to give the opportunity to. Now then, what is his plan for Westbrook? Because Westbrook's not going anywhere, I don't think, based on his contract. Well, yeah. He's going to be there for one year. Opt in. And, and... What's he going to do? Is he, can he can he have a seance with whatever injury ghost hangs over 
Anthony Davis. That's the plan for one year. But how did Ham get to this gig? And what challenges does he face? Chris Mannix will have that. And also the uh, the voice, uh, one of the voices of the Warriors, Tom Tolbert. And then in studio, uh, our number three, uh, longtime friend now from Sports Illustrated, longtime executive in the NFL, Andrew Brandt's going to be here. Uh, longtime front office exec and capologist. The Rams have an interesting choice. Apparently, Aaron Donald is waiting for more cash to be on the table, even though he told our friend Brandon Marshall on the I Am Athlete podcast it's not about money. So there's that. Oh, yes, and one player slapped another over fantasy football in Major League Baseball. That happened over the weekend. (laughs) Oh, God, are we just into this story, and we're going to be way into the Jock Peterson as Chris Rock and Tommy Pham as Will Smith at uh, a uh, batting practice that took place. In, uh, in Cincinnati. Just to clarify, you said a baseball player slapped another baseball player over fantasy football. In the NFL, correct. Right, yeah. NFL, <laughs> NFL fantasy, fantasy football. Amazing. <laughs> that happened. All of this. And I cannot wait to just dive into it. It's an overreaction Monday, even though it's on a Tuesday. So that means there's some extra stuff from over the weekend. It's Celtics and Warriors people. We'll talk about that. And the Darvin Ham hiring here in Los Angeles by the Lakers on a Friday of Memorial Day weekend. I, 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 I'm going to throw this up as a poll real quick. Who's on the Lakers longer, Darvin Ham or LeBron James? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they go out together. Like Thelma and Louise? Like Thelma and Louise? <laughs> Going over the cliff? Held hands. To wherever uh, Bronny starts playing basketball? I don't know. We'll see. Put it up. Go for it. At Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial here on the Tuesday, final day of May. We're back with Chris Mannix right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partners sleep number does that my sleep number setting is 60 my wife's is 70 10 numbers apart but it truly is the world of difference the sleep number sleep that you get is unbelievable you will love it jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now you could save 50 percent that's 50 percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time 
Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the Rich Eisen <laughs> Show. One big happy family, uh, Terrestrial Radio and Peacock and Sirius XM. Our friend from Sports Illustrated, a senior writer who covers uh, the Celtics as well for NBC Sports Boston. Chris Mannix on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line now that the Celtics have made yet another NBA Finals. And this one perhaps most improbable of all back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Chris Mannix? What's happening, Rich? Well, I mean, uh, I, I, a remarkable run, right, by the Celtics. How did this, how did this happen? How did this happen? Best you can tell. Well, Chris. I mean, I looked. It was. It's been kind of a four-month, five-month evolution. I mean, I, I was part of the local broadcasts in November and December, where they were just awful. Like, there's no two ways about it. Um, and I distinctly recall, you know, every night kind of saying the same thing after a game, where it's. They don't play with passion. They don't play with focus. They look disorganized. They don't seem to like each other all that much. I thought rock bottom for this team was this late December loss in Minnesota where they played the Timberwolves, who were without, I think, their top four guys, and they still lost to basically a minor league version of that team. Um, that we're here now talking about the Celtics in the finals is one of the most improbable turnarounds I can remember. I mean, if you want to boil down kind of what it, um, you know, what, what it is that got them here, it's defense. Um, you know, Ime Udoka, even during the dark days, was teaching them a brand of defense that they weren't used to, a switch-everything type of defense that was predicated on the skill set of Marcus Smart and his ability to be a defender in the ways that previous Celtic point guards whether it's Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kemba Walker, couldn't be. Um, They stuck with that. They finally got it. And from early January to now, they have been the best defensive team in the NBA by a country mile. And when you can play that type of defense, everything else is kind of just gravy because you can beat a lot of teams by being a great defensive team. Well, I mean, and then you could go even further back a a few months just to, you know, Yudoka's hiring. Um, and Brad Stevens being kicked upstairs, we were wondering what the hell was that all about? And um, and so is this what they had envisioned? Or, uh, I mean, just to put in a plan that we're going to come in with this defense and turn Marcus Smart into the defensive player of the year and that will open things up on the other end for Brown and Tatum and everyone else? Like, is this truly the manifestation of the vision when they made that surprising maneuver with Stevens and, and Udoka? In some ways, um, I don't think they could have accurately predicted how well Marcus Smart would adapt to the point guard position. Look, there was interest within Boston, Lonzo Ball, when he was a free agent in July. They, you know, Ball just got an overwhelming offer from Chicago and never advanced past you know, the thought stage. But um, there was definitely questions about whether smart could do it he had been an elite defensive player for years most of his career 
but he had never been a primary playmaker. Uh, so nobody really knew if he was going to be able to do that. It, he turned out to be great at it. You know, had one of his finest seasons and adapted incredibly well to the point guard position. But you mentioned Brad Stevens. I was critical of his decision to move to the front office, more critical, really, of the Celtics' decision to allow it. I've got a tremendous amount of respect for Brad Stevens, the coach. I thought, even despite the last couple of years being so-so, that he was still a top five, top ten, whatever you want to call it, coach in the NBA. It befuddled me why the Celtics would allow that coach to leave to take a role he had never done before. But there's no two ways about it, Rich. The Celtics wouldn't be here if Brad Stevens wasn't the GM. Danny Ainge does not make the trade that brought Al Horford to Boston with Oklahoma City. He doesn't do it because Danny Ainge does not give up an unprotected first-round pick to the Thunder in that deal. He just doesn't do it. That's not his thing. Danny Ainge, and this is not a criticism of Ainge because this entire roster was created largely by him. Most of the top guys were brought in because of deals or draft picks that he made. But Danny Ainge doesn't make the deal that brought Derek White to Boston at the trade deadline because you had to give up a first-round pick and a future swap right. Danny doesn't do deals like that. Brad has a different approach, looks at draft capital differently, and he made those two deals where without them, the Celtics would be dead in the water. I mean, where would they have been all season without Al Horford? Where would they have been in these playoffs without Al Horford? Where would they have been without Derek White, who turned it on really after just the, the second or third game in the first round and became a huge part of what this team did? Brad Stevens is as responsible for the success of this team as anyone in that organization. Uh, you know, media doesn't vote for NBA Executive of the Year, but he would have had my vote for Executive of the Year. And then on top of it, Chris Mannix, the, you know, the, the team they just vanquished, Pat Riley being at the top of that flow chart, his, his phrase that he uh, I, always sticks with me is, is, is teams that successful teams need to avoid the, avoid the disease of more, right? When, well, obviously, if when you win a championship, you know, uh, everyone wants more or you're successful, everyone wants more and, and, and not focusing on, on the team. Um, and in that respect, how, do, how does Tatum and Brown avoid the disease of more? Because sometimes Tatum's the, the Batman and, and Brown's the Robin and then they switch roles. And it's sometimes possession by possession. How, how do they avoid that? How does that work, that relationship? Well, I, I think, I mean, it's a commitment to winning first and foremost that both these guys have. And look, they're not flawless in this regard. It's kind of been a joke in recent years within members of the organization that when you get into like late December and January with these two guys, you kind of see a lot of your turn, my turn stuff as both these guys try to get on the all-star team. (laughs) There's definitely a competitiveness uh, for individual accolades that exist within these two guys, but they're both extremely comfortable in their own skin. They're both extremely comfortable with their roles. And that's more of a credit to Jalen Brown, who on a different team could probably be a Tatum type. He's never going to be the scorer that Tatum uh, is and will be. But Jalen Brown could, you know, on, on lesser teams, could certainly be the alpha. But Jalen Brown understands what his job is within his team. He's more of a ball handler. Uh, he's still getting his shots, as we've seen all postseason. He's had, you know, he rarely has he had a game where he shot less than you know 15 times uh, in one. Uh, but he understands he's a, a playmaker. 
a defender, and when the Celtics need a bucket, more often than not, the ball's going to find its, its way into Jason Tatum's hands, and Jalen Brown's fine with that. So when you have a, a star, a second star, that accepts that, it makes everything easier for everybody else. Chris Max here on the Rich Eisen Show, NBC Sports Boston, also senior writer from Sports Illustrated right here on the program. Now that it's Warriors and Celtics, break down the matchup for me. What are the, what are the, uh, the advantages, disadvantages of this series, best you can tell? Well, I wonder, Rich, if we look back in a couple weeks and think about what could have been if the Celtics closed out Miami in six because they're banged up. I mean, Robert Williams is just dragging that leg up and down the floor. To his credit, I mean, the guy came back from – significant knee surgery in like a month i mean that's that's not nothing i give him a lot of credit for doing what he's doing out there marcus smart you know alluded to this after game seven where like the entire left side of his body is aching whether it's his foot his ankle his quad that cost him a game early in the playoffs i mean he's in tough shape and you know i know internally you know they wish they had those two extra days uh in between uh, these uh, the conference finals ending and these finals beginning because they could have used Saturday Sundays to rest and not fly back to Boston late at night and fly to San Francisco uh, today. So so the the health is is paramount I think in the series. But you know look if all things are equal, the Celtics match up incredibly well with with Golden State. You go back to that game in in March and it's only one game, but that was when the Celtics were peaking. Um, the defense was clicking. Tatum and Brown were playing well. They just destroyed Golden State out in San Francisco. I mean, they beat them up. And, you know, the Warriors, their offense, you know, it tries to create mismatches with all this movement and all these screens. There are no mismatches with the Celtics. The eight guys they play can all defend on some level, you know, one through five. It's just, it's remarkable. Teams, you know, I've talked to many assistant coaches about this, that, you know, the Celtics are aspirational. You want your team to be built defensively the way the Celtics are. So Boston's going to give Golden State a lot of problems. I think Golden State defense is better than people think, and they'll, you know, whether it's Wiggins or Green, they're going to give the Celtics perimeter player problems. The, the other variable in all this that can't be kind of accounted for right away is the fact that nobody on this Celtics roster has been to a finals, and seems like everybody on that Warriors roster has been to at least one. The key guys being you know, three or four. And we saw 10 years ago with Oklahoma City – that that matters. Remember, the Thunder went into the finals. They might have been the better team with Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Ibaka, but they were steamrolled in part because they weren't quite ready for that moment. And I'm curious to see early on if the Celtics are ready for that moment because these games one and two, um, you know, they're, they're going to be hugely important in terms of setting the tone for the rest of the series. Chris Mannix here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, so uh, where did the decision to hire Darvin Ham come from from the Lakers? What's the timeline and what's the decision process, best you can tell, for this well, big decision? Yeah, the Lakers, look, they were sitting out for a while waiting to see if some of the more experienced coaches were going to shake loose. I don't know if that meant they were targeting Doc Rivers or Quinn Snyder, but they were certainly willing to wait to see how it all played out with those two coaches. Doc, of course, you know, established guy, great relationship with LeBron. Quinn Snyder has a relationship with the Lakers front office from his time coaching in South Bay with the G League team there. So there was, there was a, that's kind of what slowed the process down. Uh, but once it became clear that those two guys weren't going anywhere, at least doesn't seem like they're going anywhere right now, um, you know, they turned their attention to some of the, 
uh, different names are out there. And Darvin Ham has been at the top of many coaching lists when it comes to the next hire for a long time now. He's, he's kind of cutting away out of the Ime Udoka cloth, right? Like he's a former kind of role player who you know, didn't have a splashy career but certainly had a better-than-expected one. He learned under one of the better coaches in the NBA. In Udoka's case, it was Pop. In Ham's case, it's Mike Budenholzer. He's paid his dues, and now he's kind of at that point where he's ready for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I think the Lakers made an unbelievable hire. I mean, I think he is has the potential to be a coach not only for this team in the short term, where you're trying to win a championship with LeBron and AD over the next few years, but if you go into a rebuild, Darvin Ham can be that guy too. Like he can be that coach that develops young players to try to get you back to that level. So. We can be critical, and I have been critical, of a lot of things the Lakers have done the last couple of years. The Westbrook trade, scapegoating Frank Vogel, but Darvin Ham as a coach is a total home run. I mean, that was the right guy for them to hire. Well, and it seems, you know, our, our colleague Mark Stein saying that he got assurances that he gets to choose his staff and that um, a regular presence in his, any coaches' meetings will not be Kurt Rambis. What's your reporting on all of that stuff? I don't know. I don't know that. Like, look, I know that the Lakers with Frank Vogel effectively assembled his staff, and that did not sit well early on with Frank Vogel. He took the job, um, and he was successful at the job, and Jason Kidd turned out to be a terrific assistant coach, but that was a front office decision. Um, the presence of Kurt Rambis continues to be bizarre. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand how much heft he has within that organization. I don't understand why, under any circumstances, he would be sitting in on a coach's meeting. So um, if that's the case, and I have no reason to believe it isn't, if Mark's out there saying it, um, it's the right decision. Because you can't have an ex-coach with the ear of ownership sitting in on your coaching meetings because it will feel like there's a spy in your midst. It just will. Um, and so I think that's the right decision to let Darvin Ham assemble his own staff, and to let the coach coach without having any influence from anyone anywhere else. And does Ham's hiring give you uh, any sense um, or any breadcrumbs as to how the roster is going to be massaged with what's going on with this team and, and the seeming um, difficulty it is to figure it out with the contracts of Westbrook and the injury history of Davis and the advancing age despite his incredible play of LeBron James and the decision to be made on that what 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 does the hiring tell you on the contract front Anything? well it doesn't tell me much because unless the Lakers are willing to attach a draft pick to Russell Westbrook he will be a Laker you know to start the season it's kind of as simple as that the teams that have discussed Westbrook trades with the Lakers uh, from what I'm told, have been clear about that. They're not just going to trade other distressed contracts back. They want draft capital uh, in return. So, you know, unless something changes, and, and things crazier things have happened because, you know, teams, you know, re, re, uh, shape their priorities after the draft and into free agency. But unless something changes, Westbrook's going to be there. Now, the rest of the roster, uh, it, it could look completely different. I mean, I think the Lakers, I mean, half the roster is going to be a free agent. You know, they signed all these minimum guys last year who are now going to be a free agent. Uh, and I would expect Rob Palenka to try to look for more modern players. I mean, they, they, they didn't have a lot of great length 
last year. They didn't have a lot of perimeter shooting last year. They need that. You know, you look at the teams playing in the finals, what do they have? Defensive versatility and shooting. Like, that's what you need if you're the Lakers. It doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have trouble finding these guys. But um, I expect the Lakers to go out and look for those types of players and just hope that something happens with Russell Westbrook and Darvin Ham and chemistry, you know, whatever, that, that makes it work. I'm not counting on it, but I don't think the Lakers have any viable alternative. In the couple minutes I have left here, Chris Mannix, what, what is General Morey thinking today in the front office of the Philadelphia 76ers? What is he thinking today, do you think? I, mean, I, I would assume he's still kind of consumed by how to get Harden under a reasonable contract that doesn't kill the Sixers. Um, you know, it's, it's got to be frustrating for, for Maury, for Philadelphia, to see that season end the way it did. But now he's facing a decision that will, I mean, it will define the Sixers during his era. Like how he handles Harden moving forward and the kind of contract that he gives him uh, will be everything. I mean, if he can find a way to get Harden on board with a Chris Paul type of contract that guarantees him a little bit more money but protects them on the back end, um, He'll have done his job. He'll he'll put the Sixers in position to succeed during this Harden era, and if it has to end sooner than they want, uh, to maybe continue to build around Embiid. But Embiid's 28 years old. These next four years are everything. How this contract with Harden shakes out, um, you know, I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but it, it, it absolutely will determine whether uh, Embiid wins a championship in Philadelphia or if he doesn't. And then Sean Marks, what's he thinking today in Brooklyn? Well, do I do I still have Kevin Durant's phone number? I mean, I, I don't know if they're what the communication has been like between you know Sean and Kevin, and he's in a comparable situation with Kyrie. I thought his his post season comments about Kyrie were incredibly telling. Um, you know, Sean has been nothing but supportive of Kyrie throughout this process, but him saying we need guys that are available sends a pretty strong message up to Kyrie about what kind of stand that the Nets will take on his next contract. The problem they have is the same problem that Philadelphia has. If you let Kyrie walk, you can't just go sign a Kyrie-like player. And you can't waste the last good years of Kevin Durant just counting on Ben Simmons to be a star. You just can't do it. So uh, he's between a rock and a hard place as well. He's got to get Kyrie back, but he's also got to get him on board with playing full-time and he's got to get him at a reasonable number. And then, you know, Simmons, is it a, is this the first ever instance of back surgery uh, and an injury that supposedly was also mentally caused? Uh, you know, I, I don't what – what a conundrum about yeah, it, with him. It's, I, I mean, look, his, his back was clearly a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't just voluntarily have back surgery. Right. So it, it's, it was obviously something. <laughs> but for, forget putting aside the mental part of it. I just find it bizarre that – the Nets were, you know, they weren't saying he was going to play, but they weren't pushing back too hard all the reporting that he was. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, how he went from being potentially available for game four to having back surgery is, is wild. It's wild to me. Like, I, I really need kind of a TikTok on <laughs> the moment Ben Simmons was traded to Brooklyn to where we are right now. Like, was his back hurt when he got there? Did the Nets know it was hurt? Did they know he was likely headed towards back surgery? I mean, were they that desperate to make a move off of James Harden to, to do a deal like that? It, you know, there's a lot of unknowns that I can't, you know, whenever I talk to people internally, you hear a lot of different answers up to, to those questions. So I don't know what the truth is when it comes to the health of Ben Simmons, but they're counting on him too. Like, he's got to come back 
and it's got to be something close to the Ben Simmons of old for that team to have a chance in this conference. The Celtics aren't going anywhere. The Bucks aren't going anywhere. The Heat are going to reload. I mean, it's not going to be easy for Brooklyn next year unless they're at full strength. And even then, I don't know if you'd pick them to win at all. So as I let you go, Chris Mannix, once the confetti drops and either the Celtics or the Warriors hoist the, the Larry OB, I mean, uh, I, I kind of just hit uh, the, the Nets and Sixers and Lakers with you. Is there a story, an offseason story that I'm missing that you're, that you're focused on, that you're targeting to look no, at? I mean, you hit, the big, you hit the broad strokes there. I mean, I, I'm – Constantly watching to see what happens with Damian Lillard up in Portland. Um, you know, Joe Cronin, does he give Lillard a contract extension this summer that would be almost Harden-esque, where it would guarantee Lillard a whole lot of money when he's in his late 30s? Uh, he's been the face of that franchise, the greatest player in franchise history, and I still think he has some great years left in him, but they're at a crossroads as well. I mean, do they sign Lillard to that type of deal? And in a way, accept that making the playoffs and maybe winning a first-round series is your ceiling? Or do you be bold and start to look around at potential deals that might bring back the kind of draft capital that has put Boston in this position? I mean, remember, the Celtics are here right now because they traded away Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and got the picks that eventually led to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It took a long time, 10 years, but they got there. And I'm curious to see if Portland... Um, has that kind of mindset or evolves into that kind of mindset at some point this offseason. Chris, thanks for the call, man. Love our chats uh, and uh, love your reporting and uh, just the, the conversations we have. Really appreciate it. Any, anytime, Rich. Take care. Look for my call. That's Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix right here on the Rich Eisen Show. I follow him. You should too. You know that scene in Star Wars, A New Hope, the first one? Episode four, right? Episode four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where... Uh, the stormtroopers stop uh, Obi-Wan and, and the droids and uh, Luke. And he tells the stormtroopers, these are not the droids you're looking for. Let us, you know, let us go. And he pulls the mind trick, right? He's on the droids. Jedi mind, mind trick. In, in, in hindsight. Because, again, you just heard Chris Mannix say how without that Garnett and Pierce trade, they don't have the picks to take Tatum and, and Brown. But what mind trick did Danny Ainge make to have the Sixers take the first pick from him <laughs> and Rich. take faults? And then, Be careful, you're and, then TJ and then down. mind trick, and then mind trick, a path here. Magic, and the Lakers say it's Lonzo Baller or bust. You have no and idea. And let Tatum drop to three. To have the first overall pick and say, I know who I want, but I'm going to get more picks and go down to three and get the guy who could be the MVP of the upcoming NBA Finals. Be careful. I'm sorry. Be careful. I, 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 this is like... I, I mean, these are, not, these are not the draft choices you're looking for. It's literally... Now, now it's hindsight. I know it's total hindsight. It's not hindsight, man. It was foresight. It was at the time sight. It was the, I mean, how obvious was it? It like, wasn't obvious. What do it, you mean? Uh, this is the thing. Chris, like, always gets mad when I say this. <laughs> the Sixers had the third pick. Tatum was the third pick. We should have stayed at three instead of moving up for faults. But what Chris Mannix said, Rich, about this being important for the Sixers, it's very true. The Sixers have a history of horrible, horrible front office decisions. Like, as he was talking, I just start making a list here. Of like horrible trades, players that we gave up, like Tatum, 
Mikel Bridges. Like, obviously, we didn't have Tatum, but we were in position to draft him. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know if I trust this team to do the right thing, man. Well, Daryl really, Moore is a Daryl Moore is a different executive. I hope, Rich. I hope so because the 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 list, the laundry list of horrible, horrible decisions that this franchise has made since 1985. It's it's unbelievable. Let me help you. That's not the list you're looking for. <laughs> no, I mean, did it help? And I told Chris like Tatum's rookie year. I'm like, for. that's a mistake that's going to haunt Sixers fans yes. for the next 15 years. And it's I'm right I don't on. Know. I, I, uh, that's a shame. As we yeah. as we go to break, as we go to break though, I, I I think Ainge would have still taken Tatum first overall. I still think he would have taken him first overall. Yeah, probably. Probably, but the Sixers never should have. Giving him the chance. Give him the chance. To, like, to take more for picks Fultz. and get the guy he wants anyway. And they're going to the finals. And if they win, most likely he's the one who's going to win MVP. Probably. Let's take a break. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. Antonio Brown's in the news, too. Don't go anywhere. Back with more in a moment. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Uh, another story that you may have missed uh, over the weekend, uh, although I, I, I it, it, it hit my, my Twitter feed, um, is Antonio Brown was on a broadcast for fan-controlled football and seems like he is admitting he's not going to be uh, playing football this fall and hinted that his career may be over. This is what Antonio Brown had to say. Is football still important to you, would you say? Obviously, you know, we live the game, but you can't play forever. I think I'm a great player that I've done everything in the game. We going to see you playing next season? Nah, don't play yourself looking at me to play. So, I, I don't know what that means, don't play yourself looking at me to play. It seems like the hey, one who's played himself in all of this well, the last few uh, years. Please, him. please. This is so sad. I, I got to tell you how sad this is. It is. It, I I saw that soundbite and I just thought this is the saddest. I remember interviewing Antonio Brown again on a Thursday night football. He balled out. I believe it was against the Browns years ago. May have been year one, potentially year two for him. The the the, the memory fades because it's been twelve years since the kid came off the campus of Central Michigan, where he had to go to get a shot from South Florida. And this was the time when Mike, uh, when uh, Mike Wallace, remember him? Yep. He he wanted his money. Oh yeah. And the Steelers were like, no. Go to Miami. And they paid him <laughs> instead, yeah. because he was a kid who was not only terrific, but reliable and wanted to win and wanted to work his ass off to win, and it was obvious to everyone. Twelve seasons he's played. 
And the first nine in Pittsburgh were Hall of Fame worthy. That's the stuff that puts you in the Hall of Fame. You do it for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Seven 1,000-yard seasons in 12 years. His nine years in Pittsburgh are some of the best nine years fresh out of the box of any receiver ever. On track to be in the Hall of Fame. But this conversation of don't play yourself to see me play, it's just like, what, what are you talking about? I, I, I want to see him play just because he's incredible, but none of the other stuff, like the helmet and the feet in, 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 in Vegas and then the, the stuff with the Patriots and, you know, finally getting a shot. I mean, all you need to know is he, he could have played with Tom Brady more and took his uniform off and shirtless, skipped out of New Jersey against the Jets with his team needing him in the worst way. And that's the way he exits the stage. It couldn't be sadder. Could not be more sad when I hear that. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say who the hell does he think he is because I, I don't know what's going on with him. This could be this guy could have been in Canton and you're sitting there he still should be in Canton. Anquan Bolden's not in Canton yet. Torrey Holt's not in Canton yet. Heinz Ward deserves to get a spot in front of him. I don't think he's ever going to get a shot in Canton. And that is absolutely as sad as it comes to end hour one. And somebody, please send this to him because he blocked me on Twitter a long time ago when I started wondering what is his malfunction. I mean, mean, Facebook lived his way out of Mike Tomlin's care. Got to Vegas where Gruden wanted him in the worst way and was ready to have him and look past everything over and over again until he couldn't. And then the guy cel- remember he celebrated his release. That was the first that was the first shirtless time we ever saw him in a viral manner. And he couldn't have been happier. And he wound up with the Patriots. And I'm sitting here thinking some consequence he's learned yeah. of his actions yeah, that he winds that. up he winds up with Brady in in the gold standard franchise and then we learned about what was going on with him off the field and then they got rid of him and he criticizes Bob Kraft and then Brady gives him another shot they win a Super Bowl together and he winds up criticizing Brady going out the door and now he's saying, don't play yourself to see me play. I want to, I'm not playing myself. I want to see him play. I, I, I want to see him play, but not with everything else going on. And that might just be another instance of him not accepting his role in everything. Don't play yourself. One thing you forgot to mention, Rich, before Please. the trade to Oakland, or to the Raiders, rather. Yeah. They were in Oakland at the time. Yeah. He was supposed to get traded to Buffalo before right. they signed Diggs, and he nixed that. So he could have been a part of the Josh Allen Buffalo well, Bills Well, they, they lucky they dodged it. Yeah, they dodged it, and they got Diggs instead. But he was Especially originally, Diggs that's where the Steelers. somewhere else. Yeah, that's where the Steelers so were trying to send him. re-upped and stayed in Minnesota. Yeah, they're lucky they dodged that. Yeah. yeah. But it gave you an indication and still does. Uh, may, will another team give him a shot? I mean... I saw again. I saw that video this weekend, and my first thought was, "That is so sad." 
Guy could be in the Hall of Fame. Could have been in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's ever, he's going to have to buy a ticket to get in there. Well, numbers-wise, he's a guy who should be in the Hall I get of it. Fame. But, but so like you said, why, why invite him? <laughs> why invite him? That's got to be the question.